Howdy, friends. Welcome to the XD Podcast, a show that explores how design shapes the way we experience brands, products, services, and our everyday lives. As usual, I'm your host, Tony Dosad. Whether you're joining me for the first time or have come back for more, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. And if you find value in this show, I would be honored if you took a moment to share this episode, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening, or left a review. It's always greatly appreciated. And with that, what do you say we just jump right into the interview? Ryan, before we dive into all the things, why don't you give us a little background about how you got to where you are and what you do now? Yeah, that is a good question. Um, sometimes I don't really understand why I am where I'm at. Um, and sometimes I'm asking myself why I'm in Texas. Mm. <laughs> um, Especially in the summer. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so about 15 years ago, I kind of started my career, um, in Portland and, uh, my background is in graphic design, and after about 10 years um, in Oregon and trying to get a career, somehow I made my way to Texas and got a job at an agency over here, and now I'm at Bottle Rocket. Right now I'm uh, on the kind of strategy side of XD and um, kind of started out in design, but kind of slowly moved to strategy. So this brings up a good point. I mean, obviously the title of my podcast is the XD podcast and at Bottle Rocket, I'm an XD strategist. Yes. Um, but like, what is XD? And furthermore, if we back up, you said you started in graphic design. Yeah. And then it slowly transitioned into probably UI, UX, IA, information architecture. Yeah. All of these acronyms. Yeah. But what I'm interested in what do you think is the difference between UI, UX, XD, and how did you evolve getting there? So I think, again, if you go back, uh, or for me, if I go back, say, 15 years, um, graphic design was kind of this thing that was appealing to me. Um, you know, 15 years ago, we didn't have uh, iPhones. The web was still pretty early in development. You've got um, mail was like the big thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think kind of art and graphic design was something that kind of piqued my interest, um, you know, and, and art was always been with me since an early age. Um, I think as I was kind of approaching college, um, I kind of realized that graphic design seemed to have uh, more of a, a career kind of attached to it. Um where not that there's anything against artists. I think I just kind of feared being like a starving artist or just, I didn't really know what that looked like, but graphic design was cool because it was, Ooh, I can use a computer and, you know, make some money, you know? And so that, that, that was kind of appealing to me. Um, you know, we really focused on like traditional, you know, Swiss design and, um, and graphic design. So I had, um, just, uh, a really good foundation um, uh, in design. And then we got to kind of mess around with the web, like a little bit. And websites 
that just like really piqued my interest. And back then too, there were like Flash was kind of becoming a big thing, mm-hmm. and it kind of was a big thing. And uh, not only was I interested in kind of I think web design and that kind of stuff, I was also interested in programming. Uh, we had like an HTML class and. Uh, we may have had like a flash class or something back then, but it wasn't a lot of, there was like one class or a couple classes, but um, I kind of wanted like more of that. So I loved kind of designing and I loved kind of building. So I kind of pushed myself um, kind of outside of school just to learn like JavaScript and um, get better with CSS and more of the front end on the web, but just kind of, I wanted to kind of keep going. I really liked the idea of, designing and building my own stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that um, kind of having an understanding of like the technical aspect of it uh, really helped me design better because then I could design and say, okay, I know what you can and can't do. Um, and that kind of just helped inform my design. So I spent probably about 10 years, um, actually had a, a, a crazy job right out of school Um and it wasn't really UX, UI focused. It was more graphic design. And I was there a long time, for about 10 years, which was kind of crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of nuts to think I worked somewhere for, for 10 years. But but really, like during the day, I was doing kind of just graphic design stuff. But on uh, you know nights and weekends, I was doing side web projects. Mm-hmm. So I kind of started my own little business, and, and I would do kind of you know, smaller websites. So design and build the front end of websites. You know, back then, I don't even know if there was like UX was really a thing yet or an acronym or whatever, but um, but kind of doing UX and not knowing it and UI. But um, I really started to get uh, interested in native apps. Uh, like when the iPhone came out in 2008, or whenever mm-hmm. that was, uh, 2007. Um, but it was just so new and you know, I needed to kind of go somewhere that was doing things with native apps. Um, so at about that time, an agency uh, here in Dallas reached out to me um, and they were doing native app stuff. And I, it got me really excited because I was like, okay, this is where I get to go and, uh, you know, learn this stuff. I was just really excited to get there and, and just absorb everything I could. And what was really cool is just going there, I started to learn more about UX and kind of learn more about strategy stuff and just learn more about, um, I think, um, working on projects and products for larger brands and and just kind of learning a little bit more about the industry. So Mm -hmm. before I'd kind of done more smaller things, just because I had my own little side business, uh, but never really working with like really large brands or, and things like that. So, uh, it was just really cool to kind of absorb all that information. And when you were there, was it UI? Um, no, it was, it was UX and UI. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was more, um, I think the interesting thing about, um, being at that, that past agency compared to where I'm at now is kind of the makeup. Um, I think of their design department, they don't really have, they didn't have like an XD department, uh, but they, I guess they kind of all, they considered it all just design, but we did many of the things that say a strategist would do here at Bottle Rocket. Mm-hmm. It just didn't really have that, that term or that title wasn't necessarily like associated with it. But it was all bucketed under UX designer. 
Yeah, like UX, UI. Yeah, but not all of it. We had some strategy, but some of the things that that you do here uh, at Bottle Rocket under that strategy kind of role were things that, say, a designer like myself would also do those things. Mm -hmm. So just a little bit different. So when you came to Bottle Rocket, you saw the opportunity here, obviously, and applied, but it was for art director? Yeah, so... I think that was the interesting thing. Um, uh, I kind of felt good about being at least a designer here, you know, initially, or say art director. I mean, I think that title was a little bit new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, kind of knowing I wanted to move in the direction of strategy and kind of knew that was kind of where my heart was at and where my, I guess, career was trending. And, you know, it made sense for me to, to be here. Um, and I knew that I could contribute on the design side. Um, but also be around people that um, could kind of help foster um, some of those areas of UX, you know, and and strategy and kind of just help me grow, like, in that direction. So when we talk about UI and UX and design, visual aesthetics, um, meaning behind things, sometimes the thought is, if it looks great, it works great. But that's not always the case. That is true. And I think uh, going back a little bit to earlier in my career, I used to kind of think that was the case, that if you had something that looked really sexy, I was like, well, that must mean it's successful or useful or um, whatever. But, um, you know, a lot of people look at my design work and they they tell me, oh, you're such a great designer. Like, why don't you care about design? Or why don't you want to keep continuing with more like visual design, you know, and um you know, again, I think XD experience design as strategists and stuff, you're still a designer, you're still designing that experience. Um, but you're really digging into the why, um, you know, behind, uh, people's or companies, businesses, um, and all of that stuff helps inform the design. So to me, I feel like, um, you know, as long as you're kind of understanding the business value and users and uh, the goals of the user. And, um, you know, you can make a really great product or app or website or web app or whatever it's going to be. And it can kind of visually look terrible. You know, I think that's what's interesting about experiences. There are uh, experiences out there that kind of look like crap, but everybody uses them, Mm -hmm. you know? And why? Like, why is that? It's because... You know, uh, you know, people are different and uh, people use things that actually deliver value and the visuals of stuff are just kind of, I guess, like icing on the cake a little bit. Um, but I've used lots of experience that I actually use, get value out of, but kind of look terrible. So to you, what is, what is strategy about? Well, we're going kind of back a little bit. So when I was at that other agency, you know, um, I started to learn a lot about how important it is to understand the business of clients that come through the door and how, um, you know, what we're really doing is, um, you know, understanding their business, understanding their, um, their goals, uh, understanding their users, trying to understand everything we can so that we can hopefully provide uh, an experience that supports those goals or exceeds those goals or whatever it is. So many businesses are in different 
you know, stages and evolution of where they're at. And so as, as a strategist, you're really looking to identify all those things. Um, and then, you know, there's kind of an assumption that there's some kind of experience that's going to help with those things. And then you're really there just to either, you know, validate those assumptions or, um, and really kind of just help direct that business and make sure that, um, the experience that's assumed or whatever is really bringing value. So what kind of things, um, do you have to think about that influence the brand experience that are outside of an app? You know, you really need to think, uh, you know, just know their customer's journey, you know, at, at kind of the different touch points of their customer, like where do they interact with the business? You know, what's kind of a starting point, what's an end point. So again, like an app is like, one maybe one touch point but there could be multiple touch points within that journey there's a experience that i've been really thinking about a lot recently that i more and more getting obsessed with the idea that voice is going to be a large part of how we interact with brands and how we order things how we consume things so what are your thoughts on voice as far as interacting with brands and, and as becoming one of those experience touch points. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Um, so I think voice is very powerful. I think it also can be very annoying. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of the problem right now is... Um, it's nascent. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, I feel like if there is a specific thing and for how voice is integrated today, you almost have to know how the voice is going to react before you can successfully interact with it in a Mm -hmm. sense. Um, so I feel like it it can be powerful, but right now I still think that it's, it's, it's interesting, but I still want to talk to a human being most of the time and not, not just a a robot all the time, you know? So for me, I mean, it's cool that like, you know, you're, you geek out about it and all that stuff. And I, I semi geek out of it. I think it's cool, (laughs) but it's more of like, surface level cool or just um initial kind of like ooh, that's cool but then when i look at practicality you know i think and i'd probably like never really interact with that thing or whatever we talked about your journey getting here and you and i were hired around the same time and part of our initiation they have the the all hands basically meeting and we tell an interesting fact about ourselves and yours was about you had a quadruple bypass yes is that quadruple quadruple four almost five and (laughs) you're like if someone were to see you on the street like you're fit you look like a fit dude right they see me on the street they go oh yeah okay of course quadruple bypass but how has that shaped your experience well i think so it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's definitely, I never thought I would have a quadruple bypass in my mid-30s. Um, I don't think anybody really thinks that, especially, like you said, if somebody was to look at me, they wouldn't think that I would ever have one of those or be ever. capable of that. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes I feel pretty fortunate um, just because, you know, I'm fortunate that I was able to find that I had an issue with my heart Um you know, before, you know, I didn't have a heart attack or anything like that, but, um, but I guess after I kind of just, you know, figured it out, I was kind of really thankful, you know, because doctors do heart surgeries like every day, like every hour. And we kind of, there's like a solution to that problem. Like, you know, but I was sometimes 
I think about people that have like cancers or things like that that aren't curable, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's crazy. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like fortunate all the time. You know, again, thankful. I mean, who knows? I'll probably have cancer at some point, uh, you know, but uh, <laughs> <Everybody> <laughs> but I will. mean, but I mean, like, I guess like there's there's like a fix to that. So I think like like figuring it out felt really good. Um, beyond that, like. I kind of already took care of myself. It was actually a hereditary thing. Um, I don't actually eat too terribly and I, I exercise, but even more so as of late, I've been exercising even more. Um, just trying to really be focused, um, on goals and things that I want to achieve in my life, which actually I've kind of always been that way. I've always been very much a goal setter. Um, and, always been pushing, always been trying to achieve stuff in my life. I guess one of my biggest fears, um, you know, I just, I never wanted to get old or grow old and look back and regret something. Like if there was something I really wanted to do, like I'm always trying to push to like do that thing. So it's kind of always like that before, but I guess maybe it gave me extra motivation to kind of stay focused on some things. Um, one of the things that I, I talk about is that, you know, designers, we're not just like these people that get hired and we have this massive expertise and all this knowledge. I mean, some of us obviously do, but they're from learned experiences. Um, but I think we're all designers in a sense that we design our lives, we design yeah. our family life, yeah. our work life. Exactly. And I imagine that something that radical has shaped the way that you are designing your life every day. And how has that affected the way that you look at your work life, your family life, man, it's a balancing act. Um, so I think like you mentioned family, I've got a couple kids too. And, um, you know, and we're definitely in family mode, but I want to achieve all these goals. So I'm basically just looking at my day constantly. I'm looking at how I utilize my time. Um, and I think, uh, around the new year, uh, I made some new year's resolutions, which, you know, some people think you're kind of lame because you make them and break them and stuff. But I guess I just really felt uh, motivated to get focused. And um, I looked at certain areas of my life I wanted to pr- improve in. And um, But I couldn't do that, you know, and, and leave my family, you know, in the background. So, you know, my family is important to me. So I had to figure out how to make a little bit of time, you know, each day for um, these goals that I have. And and um, so I kind of broke it into kind of hour chunks, and um, and I just told myself, well, hey, if I can if I can do one hour of this one thing mm-hmm. for 365 days, you know, in a year, I've got to be, be achieving that goal at some point, you know. So I think a lot of times we have these big goals, and it, and I think we feel like we need to make you know take big chunks out of the steps, you know, to get to those goals. But my my whole I feel like my mindset now is just just baby steps, you yeah. know, consistent, slow baby steps. Cause I feel like if I just keep doing that, then eventually that goal or whatever it is I was trying to achieve, you know, I'll achieve it. So speaking of, of goals and sort of passions, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What do you, what do you have that's just like burning right now? Uh, one of my goals uh, is every morning to get up and read a little bit of my Bible. So I'm uh, kind of a faithful guy, um, and my faith is super important to me. Um, so I'm just trying to just to you know get a little little bit into my Bible each day, and that's that's kind of one goal. Um, you know, another goal for me is my exercise. I'm just trying to stay consistent. 
uh, with that. Uh, the two other goals would be uh, more programming and also uh, just reading, like so reading more. But all those things are getting me out of bed every day mm. and just my job. Like I love it here too. So, yeah. uh, you know, I've got so many things that are getting me out of bed every single day and I get up early. So people may think I'm crazy, but yeah, I'm, you usually, do. I'm usually getting up at about 5 a.m. every day. It's I love just that. Like, it's just, I don't know. I think that kind of goes back to my first job that I had out of school you know, we were expected to be there at like 6 a.m. And so I got really accustomed to getting up around around 5 a.m. And then early bird gets the worm, I guess. And so I kind of just stick to that and I, I get up early. And that's kind of how I, my do, I do my thing. So it kind of perfectly leads into the question that I ask all of my guests, which is what is the one thing that is non-digital that you own that means the most to you or has added the most value to your life and why? Uh, yeah, that would be my Bible <laughs> as well. So my faith is the most important thing to my life, uh, in my life. You know, my relationship with God uh, kind of direct my life. Um, I really care about people a lot. Um, maybe that's why I'm in UX. I care about, you know, users and I want everybody to have the best experience ever. And um, But I, I genuinely care about people all people and so kind of my faith keeps me grounded and and kind of helps me to to love people even the most obnoxious people um and people that make me mad and everything else it just kind of brings me back to uh always treating people really well i think that's kind of another thing um that i really strive for is treating everyone really well with a lot of respect um that's just a big part of me like i, I it's almost like i don't really care if you know, anyone's upset with me or uh, treats me wrong, cuts me off, uh, whatever. Like, I always want to treat everyone with 100% uh, 100% respect. It's just, like, super important to me. It goes back to what we focus on so much is the empathy. And that, for me, was very eye-opening as, as how I live my life, is being able to empathize with the user. It yeah. changed the way that I interact with people. Yeah. So I guess you're a designer... And your biggest influence is the ultimate designer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the way you put that. I do believe uh, God is a designer. He has designed uh, all of us pretty intricately, and uh, we're all unique, and it's it's pretty awesome. Well, thank you for being here and uh, sharing with us your story and being candid and vulnerable. And uh, cool dude. So let's do it again sometime. Thanks, Tony. And with that, we will call it a week. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, be sure to share it with your friends, family, or coworkers. As always, you can find the show notes and full transcript at xdpodcast.com, or stalk me on Instagram at xdpodcast. I can't wait to have you back next week, but until then, friends, stay curious. The XT Podcast is part of XT Media, LLC, and is produced and edited by me, Tony Dosat. Hosting and publication of the podcast is through Buzzsprout.